Today I am talking with Tina Mathams, the one and only ADHD accountant that you can find on Instagram about all things ADHD and money, including that dreaded ADHD tax, which is a quite fitting conversation to have with the ADHD accountant, you know what I mean? So we're going to talk about her story, why ADHD makes money hard, that ADHD tax, strategies to fight off impulsive spending, and so much more. Let's get into it. Welcome back to ADHD Money Talk, the show that empowers dynamic ADHD brains to take control over their money in order to stress less, live a more enriching life, and open up new and amazing possibilities. I am your humble and very ADHD host, Dave DeWitt. Today, as I mentioned, I'll be talking to Tina Mathams, who can be found on Instagram at the ADHD Accountant. And she is someone who actually passively and partially inspired me to switch gears and put my focus on helping others with ADHD with their money, because when I was first looking into this idea, she was one of the first people I found on Instagram and was inspired with what she was doing. And she is doing great work in helping ADHD business owners and individuals improve their relationship with money through courses and lots of free resources, which again, you can find on her Instagram. So I encourage you to check that out. In our conversation today, we're going to talk about how she came to be that ADHD accountant. We're going to talk about her story of her diagnosis, what it was like being an ADHD or in a structured corporate job like accounting why money is so hard for ADHDers, what that pesky ADHD tax is and examples of it, and strategies to stop impulsive spending, and really just a lot more. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tina Mathams. Tina Mathams, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been watching you do your thing. It's been very exciting to see. And so I'm just happy to have you here. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, thank you. And I'm so excited to have a chat with you. I enjoy listening to your podcast. I'm excited to be on. Thank you. Yeah, that's been fun for me, but this is going to be all about what you've been up to. So I'm excited to hear about it, but I've never really heard you tell anyone about your ADHD story, how you got diagnosed. And so before we get into the money stuff, I'd like to hear about your experience getting diagnosed and then how you got into a a numbers game being an accountant. Sure. Well, I'll start with Oh, because the accounting came first before the ADHD diagnosis, but I'll start with the ADHD diagnosis and tell you how I got there and then I'll backtrack a little bit. So it came about because my son got diagnosed with autism and ADHD. He has inattentive type ADHD presentation, I think it's technically called. When he got diagnosed, I thought he just had a whole lot of anxiety around all different things. So when the diagnosis came back with autism and ADHD, I was really confused, uh, mainly because my version of ADHD in my head was the boys that I knew at school who had ADHD, who were very hyperactive, you know, distracting the class. There was even one kid I knew with ADHD who would constantly walk on the tables. And that just wasn't my son. He can be hyperactive at home, but I knew that, you know, I wasn't getting that kind of feedback from his school. So I was on a mission to find out more about ADHD so I could help him. And in doing that, in all my reading and listening to podcasts and listening to YouTube videos with experts and things like that, it became very evident that I had ADHD, uh, which just confused me. I, I was floored that I found something that suited me and I knew there was something there with me as well. And I had, I was diagnosed with anxiety, um, high functioning anxiety. So when I found all this stuff about ADHD, I was like, okay, this is, I think this is something that I need to look into. I went and found a psychologist who had 
experience with ADHD and I got him to assess me and it came back very high ADHD. (laughs) Very high. (laughs) And yeah, very high, (laughs) you know, which was fine because by then I'd kind of realized that, you know, I had ADHD and if it came back negative, it was just like, well, what then what's going on with my life if it isn't ADHD? And I remember joining a couple of Facebook groups and literally hand on my heart, I read two posts when I got into that group it was like I had written them. I just couldn't believe that there was other people who shared my experiences, who uh, thought like me, who spent their days um, the way I did. I found my people and it was incredible. It was an incredible moment in my life, you know, seeing that and having that diagnosis. And, you know, once I got over the grief of, you know, grieving that former life of not knowing that I had ADHD and having to get through my life and get through my career undiagnosed, it was just such a relief, such a sense of relief. As I said, the accounting came before that. So I spent most of my career so far undiagnosed ADHD in accounting, which was actually really quite difficult. I say that because, you know, as much as I enjoyed the work, it was hard sitting in an office for eight to 10 hours a day being expected to work that whole time and concentrate and, you know, not really get up and move from your desk. Couldn't figure out why I didn't work like my colleagues. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't concentrate for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And it made me end up leaving the industry for a little bit because I just decided that I wasn't a very good accountant if I couldn't do those things. But then I came back because I loved it. I realized I had missed it, which was really confusing because, As I said, I loved the work, but it was just the office environment, which didn't really suit me. I think the universe was looking out for me because when I came back, the role that I went into, as much as it was still that kind of environment, it actually helps me to understand myself a little bit better in the way that, you know, I started noticing where my strengths were with the work that I was doing and yeah, it made me realize a few different things about how I sort of fit into an office environment, which isn't very well. (laughs) So when I got my diagnosis, I didn't know if I could still be an accountant. I actually had a real up and down week, the week that I got diagnosed, because I was like, well, does that mean that I can't be an accountant? I actually Googled can ADHD people be accountants. And (laughs) you need need to expand on that because that is, that is very interesting that you Google it. Yeah. yeah, I Googled. <laughs> I was like, I need I need answers. I need information because I had realized at that point that there are other ADHD adults, which was great. But as far as I was aware, I didn't know any other accountants with ADHD. So I Googled and there were, you know, there wasn't much that came up, obviously. But I remember reading two very distinctively different sides of that. So one thing I Googled and read was that accounting isn't a great fit for people with ADHD because of all these different reasons, you know, attention to detail and having to sit and all that kind of stuff. But the other one that I read was this person who had a blog and they were like, I actually know a lot of accountants with ADHD and, you know, they just make it work for them. So I was like, okay, maybe I can make this work for me as well. So I ended up leaving my workplace at the time and I thought I'm just going to take some time to figure everything out. And that's when the ADHD accountant started. I wanted to share my journey and learn from other people and share what I was learning as well. And it kind of just went from there. Yeah, it certainly did. You were one of the first people I found when I was exploring potentially changing my practice to focusing on people with ADHD when I had my sort of Mm. 
reawakening uh, into yep. ADHD. So I partly attribute your existence to my taking the the step to do it. So thanks for that. But um, right, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit quickly about the transformation of how you discovered that you wanted to do this for individuals, like helping on the money side of individuals and with businesses um, in this more mm. entrepreneurial way. When I was in that bit of my life last year when I wasn't working and I was just sort of taking time to figure out, and I'm very lucky that I had that opportunity to do so, I realized that I absolutely loved helping people. And that's one of the things, even as an accountant, that is my core thing. I just love helping people, helping people with their businesses, helping people with their money. So I went and did a life coaching certification because I thought, well, Honestly, I don't know if I'll continue down the accounting path. Maybe I'd like to go into some life coaching because that really interested me as well. So I went and did that and I started doing a bit of life coaching for people who had approached me and things like that. Then I spoke to somebody who wanted to know more about my accounting services because they had a program that they were running and they just wanted somebody to talk about accounting and finance within business. And I was like, yep, I can do that. And when I did that, it just lit something up inside of me. I'm like, gosh, I do really, really love this work, you know? And that's when I started thinking maybe I just go off and do it myself because I've always thought even when I was in practice working for other people, I always wanted to either be, you know, a director with an accounting firm or I wanted to go and own my own accounting firm, but I could never figure out how to do that. So when I had that opportunity to deliver that training, I was like, this is amazing. And I spoke to the the person who was, um, you know, running the program and she was like, you are fantastic at this. Like, why aren't you doing more of it? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, in that time I had people approach me about doing their accounting for their business or wanting some financial coaching. And I was like, no, I don't do that. You know, I just kept pushing people away. And that's when it all dawned on me. I'm like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is my way forward. You know, I can finally go into business for myself doing accounting, which would be fantastic because I'd be able to work with the people who I want. I'd be able to work at home, work in a cafe if I want to, take my laptop anywhere, work the hours that I want to. And uh, yeah, it kind of just flowed from there. I was like, I'm going to set this up. And then I kind of opened my books to more financial coaching rather than life coaching and sort of flipped it around that way. So I kind of used my life coaching certification as well as my financial certifications. And once I did that, it was just, it just lit up a fire inside of me. It was incredible. And the feedback has been amazing with the services that I've been offering to people. So it's, it's been a crazy ride the last sort yeah. of three to six months, I guess. Yeah. And there's so much overlap between financial planning and financial coaching and life coaching. A lot of times as a financial yeah. planner, I end up doing coaching because you're walking people off the ledge and you're helping them. So like, it seems like you kind of found like a way to use all of your skills and hone in and find something really cool. So that's really awesome. Yeah, exactly right. So why don't we pivot? And I know I wanted to talk about with you because it just makes so much sense to talk about ADHD tax with the ADHD accountant who helps yep. with taxes. So <laughs> yep. let's talk a little bit about what the ADHD tax even really is. Because that word gets thrown around a lot. You see a lot of videos on Instagram and TikTok and whatnot. So how would you describe the ADHD tax? So I describe the ADHD tax as 
the extra that we need to pay because of our ADHD. So that can be things like forgotten subscriptions. It can be a subscription that you sign up for for a trial and it just rolls over into um, a paying subscription automatically and you forget to cancel that trial. It's things like overpaying for things because you realize you've been charged extra and you don't have the skills or the confidence to be able to go and say, hey, I paid extra for this, refund me. People, Some people just don't want to do that. It's buying extra items because you literally forgot that you've got the same item in your fridge or in your cupboard or in your bathroom. I kind of put impulsive spending into the ADHD tax as well because you know, we're by nature, we're impulsive. And when we have those impulsive moments and we just spend, 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 we can, we can overspend. We can spend extra on things purely because we just haven't taken notice of what we're buying. So it's all the things like that, that we have to pay extra for purely because of the way our brain is designed. Yeah. And then each one of those things, you might take its own separate strategy to sort of fix. So it's like Mm. such a mumbo jumbo mess. There's also like yeah. traffic tickets and, you know, having a worse credit score and getting a worse interest rate. All of this stuff is like, it's so nutty because like yeah. we could spend thousands of dollars extra a year. I wish there was like a study on it because I bet you it'd be a pretty high number. Yeah, that would be really interesting. And I'd love someone to do that one day. Yeah. And then I feel like there's the tax of needing more support in life. So you're paying professionals to help you with yep. life coaching or with financial coaching or with therapy or with medicine like there's just so much extra expense that comes into this into this brain living with this brain that it's it's pretty yeah a hundred percent and you know on the flip side of that we're often paid less as well because we're overlooked for promotions because we're not in the right job for us or again as I was explaining with you know me being in an accounting firm you're just not using your positive ADHD traits in your workplace so you're often overlooked for promotions and, you know, there's people out there who don't even want to go for higher paying jobs because, um, you know, whether they lack the confidence or they think they lack the skills, all those things like that can play into it as well. Yeah. You could maybe argue that's an ADHD tax too because you have, yeah, in general, tend to have lower self-confidence, self-esteem and mm-hmm. not feeling the courage to go ask and, and not necessarily and being in a workplace with people that you have no idea if they even will accept you or how they'll respond if you tell them, you know, you're struggling with ADHD because it could go either way. Oh, everybody has ADHD or it could go a good way, but it's just, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yep. How about we pivot to, so you said impulsive spending is kind of like an ADHD tax. It's the most, bar none, the most common thing I hear from people that approach me is how I control my spending. So You know, I obviously have some ideas, but I'm really curious on your ideas on how to help people just stop impulsive spending because it's, it's, it can be just so, so destructive. Yeah, a hundred percent it can. And I've been there and I know that so many other ADHDs have as well. It's the good old thing about what works for one person won't work for another. So it's going to be about trial and error when it comes to impulsive spending. But what I tell people is the very, very first thing you need to do is understand ADHD in general and then understand your ADHD. So as sort of we touched on before, we are impulsive by nature. So when we impulsively spend, we're literally doing something that our brain is designed to do it's just that unfortunately in you know our lifestyle and our adulting life 
as you said, it can have those really bad consequences. So just accepting that impulsive spending may be a part of your life. So when we accept that it may just be a part of our life, it's not about completely getting rid of that impulsive need. Sometimes it's just about learning how to decrease that impulsive spending rather than get rid of it completely. Because if you're in the mindset of, I'm not going to impulsively spend anymore and I'm really going to not be impulsive, already you are working against your natural brain. And, you know, if when or if you fail with that, you go, well, you know, I'm not going to impulsively spend anymore. And then the next day you go out and do that, that brings up feelings of shame and guilt and all those kinds of things. And that's just when you spiral. So that's first and foremost. Um, And then you can kind of get into the strategies of the time rule, which is my favorite. um, And I've used it. I still use it to this day. That can be really, really helpful. So putting a time limit on if you want to buy something, tell yourself, I'm not going to buy it for another five days. And if I still want it then, and you know, you can afford it, well, then maybe you go out and get it. But what that's designed to do is to slow down your brain. So that's what you want to do with impulsive spending. You want to find a strategy that works for you to help slow down your brain. So you can actually think about what you're doing, because in that moment, you're not thinking at all. You're just like, oh my gosh, there's something shiny and amazing, and I'm just going to buy it. And you don't think whether you can afford it, or it's going to add value to your life or anything like that. Um, and you know, I know the time rule does work for a lot of people. So that's kind of my go-to, but there's other things out there. Like I know we've spoken before about knowing your values as well. So if you find something that you want to purchase and you know, it's, you know, you can feel that impulsiveness, ask yourself if it's actually going to be something that's going to add value to your life. Um, because if it's not, then it's just going to be one of those other things that you're just going to impulsively spend and not use or, you know, chuck out or it's going to be a book that sits on your bookshelf or something like that. And there's all different ways that you can try to uh, limit your impulsive spending rather than try to avoid it completely. Yeah. You said something like two minutes ago that really stuck with me and then I forgot it because it was two minutes ago. <laughs> so now I can't remember what it was. It was the way you described just accepting it because it's the way our, your brain is wired. So don't try and so maybe you're, are you saying like, don't try and root out the impulsivity, but just try and live with it and moderate it and just like lessen it and just give it what it wants once in a while, but have rules and yeah. stuff in place. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yep. hundred percent. Because that can help you. It can help you stick to a budget, just allowing yourself to be your natural self and allow yourself to do that little bit of impulsive spending. Um, but yeah, it, it just comes down to doing it once in a while and knowing your limits as well can be um, a really good thing with that. So, you know, I'm not in a position in my life at the moment, I've got two young kids and, you know, we're about to double our mortgage because of renovations. I'm not in a position to go out and impulsively buy a $2,000 handbag. So I know that that's my limit. And I know that, you know, I tell myself that I can't do that. I don't have the funds to do that. I sort of set my limits with my impulsive spending um, a lot lower. That comes with its own challenges as well. So if you set your limit to buy something impulsively for $20, that's great. But if you do that 10 times in a week, that adds up to $200. So it's not only about knowing your financial limits, it's about knowing that those little amounts will add up to a much more bigger number if you just keep doing those little ones over and over. So yeah, it's definitely something that takes time to sort of limit and overcome rather than just a split decision one day, I'm not going to impulsively spend anymore because it doesn't, that doesn't work. No, it will work for maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all really good stuff. And it just struck me like, I just literally just came into my head, but like if you, I used to like 
be a big spender. And I always yeah. wanted these big ticket things. Now that I've been practicing budgeting and some days, some weeks good, some weeks bad, but and just mm-hmm. realizing I'm no longer even thinking like I'm, I'm starting to become naturally more satisfied by smaller things. So yeah. I've gone like out of the big picture thinking of like, oh, I can buy this huge, amazing new renovation for my deck. Mm. I'm now thinking, oh, I can get like these cool new golf balls. <laughs> That's yeah. now making me happy. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Just ran with yeah. you in my head. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And then one thing that always I struggle with is like the time rule really works really well. But there's like this little sabotager in my brain that's like, it's like, I know I'm thinking I could do the time rule while mm-hmm. I'm buying it. But I'm the little sabotager is saying, you're not going to do the time rule this time. You're just going to get it. How do you work on sticking to these rules? remembering to use them and actually do them in the moment. Again, that comes with time. It comes with practice and it comes with not shaming yourself as well. So sort of what we touched on before about, well, if you decide something and then it, you don't follow through with it, which is another thing that we struggle with following through with something and you start shaming yourself, that's not the best way to go about it. Because once you start shaming yourself for it, you're just going to avoid trying again that's not what you want. You want to empower yourself to be like, okay, well, that happened. I can't change it. Hopefully, if it's something that you don't really want, you might be able to go um, return it and get your money back. And that's probably best case scenario. But if you can't, it's not shaming yourself about it. It's just accepting that it happened and move on. And you try again and you keep trying until you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is starting to work now. You know, I talk from experience there as well. Like I have been um, working on this for years, even before I got diagnosed with ADHD. And there's still times that I will impulsively buy something that's out of my budget. That used to really get me down and I used to feel really guilty and shame myself. And I kind of worked through that once. And that kind of helped once I got my ADHD diagnosis as well. And I understood why that happened. Again, it just takes time to work on that shame and that guilt and just try again. Um, Just because you didn't follow through with it once doesn't mean that, you know, that's always going to happen. If you're struggling to do that by yourself, then that's when you get help for it. Go to a therapist if you're really struggling with working through that shame and that guilt. And you can work with a coach to sort of help you through working on that towards the future. Um, You can get accountability in Facebook groups, you know, hook up with other ADHDers who are trying to do the same thing. Um, There's so many options and the worst thing that you can do is just stop trying because you can get through it. Yeah, that is definitely really good advice for me. I needed to hear that. Okay. All right. So I wanted to give you a minute or two to talk about what you're actually doing, what your service is like and just how you're helping. I'm really curious about like what's under the bolts of like your, your, you have a name for it, cashed up or something. Yeah, ADHD cashed up. So I've got a few different things which kind of all play into my, you know, my shiny object syndrome and it kind of plays into how I like to, I guess, work with people as well. So in the financial coaching side, I've got what I call my all-in course, which is ADHD cashed up. So it kind of takes you through a program which works on the mindset. So, you know, the shame around money, the guilt around money that we've been talking about. Uh, it kind of works through all that mindset stuff first. 
And then it helps you with your spending habits. So we talk a lot about impulsive spending in that. It goes through budgeting and then it kind of goes into other things like uh, working through, you know, your cash flow and things like that. It's certainly just something that's general. And I like people to know that as well. Like I'm not a financial advisor like you are who, you know, you can advise people on their personal circumstance. So what I do as a financial coach is help people learn why they do certain things and help them understand that there's a different way that you can do this with ADHD. Um, So that's kind of the overview of that kind of service and what I do as a financial coach. I also work one-on-one with some people as well who do need that more one-to-one support and accountability. That can be all different things. So I work with people who do need more mindset support. I work with people who just need to work through um, tracking their expenses better and learning how to budget in a way that works for them and things like that. And then I do um, little courses as well. So at the moment, I'm doing a workshop, which is a budgeting workshop, um, which is really fun. So it's helping people learn, again, that there's a different way that they can budget and manage their money because, you know, often the typical budgeting methods and spreadsheets and stuff out there don't really work for our brains. So, I like to sort of do different things and pivot and stuff like that because that really helps me um, stay focused and I just love it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, And yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then I've got the other side of uh, my business, which is sort of more accounting business focused. And that's sort of more things that I do with people in Australia, obviously, because I do tax. I can't do overseas tax. So it's more sort of for Australian based businesses and people, individual tax and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, which I absolutely just love having those two different business streams as well. Cause yeah, it helps me when I do need to bounce around. And that's something that I've accepted about my brain and my life. And I've figured out a way to be able to do that. And not only does it help me, it helps other people as well. So it's a win-win. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like if I was doing what I'm doing plus related but different business Mm. it'd be hard to juggle that so kudos to you for being able to juggle that um because that would that would make me go crazy (laughs) oh i'm still learning don't worry (laughs) i'm still sort of learning how to juggle everything uh especially kids yeah yeah oh i credit my husband for helping like i think if i didn't have him around to sort of support and let me do this it would be a whole lot harder yeah, I bet. I, I I feel similarly about my fiance, who even last night was yeah. helping me think through stress I was having on, in bed about my business. And I was just venting and she was just giving me like, just do this and that. And I was like, oh, it's that easy. Just do that. She's like, yeah, I'll write you a list. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Dang, that's simple, but not really. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, exactly. All right. Tell my audience uh, how they can find you. Yeah. So I always say the best place to go is my Instagram, which is at the ADHD accountant because you've got everything there. You've got all uh, my posts and you can sort of have a look into those, but it also has um, my link in my bio, which will direct you everywhere. It'll direct you to my Facebook group, which is ADHD Money and Finance, and it'll direct you to my courses and workshops and anywhere else you need to go. And then obviously, you know, you can DM me. That's probably the best place to go. Yeah. And I would say for those of you who who listen and have even reached out to me and maybe have express frustration with mindset in that I think Tina could be a good place for you to to check out because I think that's where she probably excels more so than me because I'm still trying to learn that that whole thing I learned a lot about that from observing you and other of the ADHD coaches out there 
who I'm trying yeah. to absorb as much as I possibly can from. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I had a really good chat. That was a very good interview, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to be tackling the fun topic of credit scores with tips to help you improve your credit score and why it is so important. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. See you later.